Hey, Sandy. Hey, Nora. We're back. <laughs> We're back. Welcome to episode two. So last week, the big news in Canada, of course, was that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau met with his counterpart in the United States, President Donald Trump. The news in Canada focused mostly on the handshake, which was significant because Donald Trump did not hold Justin's hand for more than a couple of seconds, nor did he pull him off balance, uh, tackle him to the floor, and start a cage match, uh, which uh, unfortunately I think depressed some of us who wanted to see a, a proper brawl. We, we thought that it was a good uh, opportunity to talk about what was missed in the media coverage of this issue. And maybe that's a what good What was missed? Nora, there was significant coverage of that handshake. There were think pieces. There was critique. There was, you know, laudable. There was good journalism that came out of that handshake. <laughs> well, that's perhaps a good It was question. excellent. It was excellent. What was what what struck you as the most uh, attention uh, of on on what they talked about? What do you remember seeing in the news that they talked about? I remember seeing a photo of Justin Trudeau looking at uh, President Trump's hand, President Trump's hand, as though he wasn't going to shake it, which was a photo that was obviously taken just before he did shake his hand. Um, I remember that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there was there was a lot about the politics of handshake between these two men. I am I hiding my disdain well I don't know is it is it happening are your eyes rolling right now uh obviously (laughs) (laughs) you know if I can be more disappointed in our media I can't okay like it's not possible in fairness to our media it is nice that they put such attention on the fact that two men touched each other There was still no emotion with it, though. No. Uh, okay. So it's not a complete win. <laughs> no, that's a that's a that's serious part marks. <laughs> that's you answered the question, but you didn't get any of the answers right. So a one out of eleven. No. <laughs> fail. Yeah, it's a fail. <laughs> uh, so this is this is probably a good opportunity then to highlight some of what was apparently discussed, uh, at least according to the joint letter, because after the meeting there was a joint letter put out by both administrations saying where they had agreement and and perhaps what we should do is go through some of the most important ones and talk about why they matter. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> I can we talk can we start off with this uh the their work on women's issues <laughs> yes i am particularly interested in this because of course our prime minister justin trudeau is a wonderful feminist um and uh, uh trump obviously is also a wonderful feminist mm-hmm. and they're getting together to uh make sure that they're working on uh, women's opportunities for work. Yes. Now, did you happen to see the picture of the Women's Council meeting? I did. I don't know. I mean, is women defined as white women? Oh, I, is that <laughs> is that what that means? Is that what the word woman means now in official terms? I, I think yes. Um, and I think okay. to even just checking to even go beyond the white women uh, part, it was also mostly blonde white women 
<laughs> well, there's a perfect kind of white woman, obviously. It was the Stepford Wives of um, high-level business dealings. Um, the most perfect woman. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, they actually all probably were cloned in a laboratory somewhere. <laughs> I think that, um, I think it's, it's not a surprise, obviously, that that is the kind of woman that this business council represents. But f what does it say to you uh, to see that kind of image and for our feminist prime minister to jump so excitedly into a pool of that kind of feminism with Donald Trump at the head of the table? Well, let's be very clear that this is not feminism. This is a very this is a very blatant attempt by Donald Trump to curry favor where he's lost it, where he had previously lost it during his election campaign. He angered a lot of white women in his base. He angered a lot of white women outside of his base. And I think that his administration calculated quite correctly that if he were to get in well with Justin Trudeau, then he could prove himself in some way uh, to be in with a feminist, which means that he is not so terrible with women. And it's a good strategy from his people. Uh, and I don't understand why Justin Trudeau and the people who are around him would allow him to do something like that, uh, especially when during Donald Trump's campaign, Justin Trudeau was quite, uh, quite a bit more critical of him. Right. I think it's important to mention that a majority of white women did vote for Donald Trump. True um, story. And it's, you know, a slight majority, but still a majority. And uh, I think you're right. In uh, Justin Trudeau, especially if you read the American press, uh, mm -hmm. he is like the guy you want to bone. <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't finish that sentence that way, Nora. <laughs> Oh I mean, that's how they put it forward. That's how they put it forward. I, I, I don't actually find him attractive in the slightest. But, but that's... I don't actually understand it. <laughs> it's very confusing to me. I feel like yeah. I live in another world. Maybe well, I do. Me, no, me too. And, and, but, so you've got the liberal press in the United States like going completely gaga over Justin Trudeau. And he puts himself in this position to do exactly as you say, curry favor among white women in the United States. What's the message, though, that, it was sent, that was sent to, to Canadian women who... I bet would not have voted in majority for, for Donald Trump for a variety of, of political reasons that are just, our context is different in Canada. Well, see, and this is where I'm really frustrated with the media because shouldn't the media be asking, well, what is the prime minister's job here when it comes to women's issues uh, worldwide? Is it to shill for the very terrible president of the United States or is it to do what's right by women regardless? Um, and you know, it's not just the United States media that has, you know, some sort of weird obsession with uh, Justin Trudeau where he can do no wrong. Uh, a lot of Canadian media is there as well. And not even interrogating this question is completely irresponsible. I did see maybe one or two articles not in the mainstream press that did consider this angle of the story and they didn't consider it within even the first 24 hours, you know, these were stories that were coming or articles and op-eds that were coming out days afterwards. So I, you know, I, where, how has it, 
in this day and age, with Donald Trump as president, with Justin Trudeau able to kind of mask everything that he's doing that's terrible with his hair, it is completely irresponsible to ignore the substance of the conversations that Justin Trudeau and Donald Trump are having uh, to talk about a fucking handshake. One of the things that I was struck by as well was not just all of this that that you that you just mentioned, but also that the Women's Business Council announcement was used to 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 kind of mask some of the other politics that uh, were discussed in that meeting and that were listed in that joint letter. And so we not only uh, are all of these other issues with Donald Trump and and white feminism and more well, fake feminism entirely uh, a, a huge issue. But women were used to cover up the fact that there were some very um, uh, unpopular, uh, per, shall we say, or even potentially dangerous uh, agreement that was made between the two administrations, Con especially considering the, the state of the Muslim ban in the United States and allowing American border agents uh, more authority to detain Canadian citizens on Canadian soil. It, like it's just as the, the feminist prime minister walked into a situation where it was like we are going to hide all of these terrible policies by talking about women in business and it just is like even more disgusting to me in that context how is justin trudeau really different from stephen harper how would uh stephen harper have done this differently well maybe there wouldn't have been a feminist angle to this you know that's about all i can think because when we take a look at the 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 um changes that are coming in policy with respect to the border and american border agents able to arrest canadian citizens on canadian land uh basically opening up the border to american uh state intervention i wonder if that would have been different under harper and i'm also quite interested in uh, or interested isn't quite the word critical of the blatant prop propaganda that's been going on since there's been all of these stories about uh, refugees crossing the border at various points in Canada and there just seems to uh, from America into Canada and there just seems to be a concerted effort to paint Canada as oppositional to the United States by showing RCMP officers greeting with smiling faces these refugees at the border and assisting them so these photos are coming out without um much i don't know media or uh, a critical eye to say well the rcmp is meeting them because they're about to detain them <laughs> right you know it's like it's the same thing that's that we hear about that's happening in the united states and uh i don't know i'm just i'm really frustrated that we're we're by and large, mass media is ignoring the very crucial substance of uh, what came out in that joint statement. You asked the question, what's the difference between Justin Trudeau and Stephen Harper? And I think that that is, is such an uh, important discussion to have because under Stephen Harper, the Canadian border became more integrated with the United States. And one of the, the laws that was passed was allow uh, law enforcement from each country to enter the other country and arrest people. Now, the, the legislation that was passed was pretty limited. Like, it, it has to just be on water. But the plan was to allow it for 100 uh, kilometers, I think, though I, maybe I'm wrong, it could be miles, uh, within each of the border sides um, that law enforcement, if they're on a chase, uh, they have the uh, right to arrest. This was the plan, and it actually got stalled in uh, committee meetings because law enforcement from each each country couldn't agree 
on uh, different levels of risk. So what happens if you hurt someone, uh, like a Canadian police officer hurts someone in the United States, whose jurisdiction does it fall into, blah, blah, blah. So it actually stopped just on bureaucratic questions. And, and that was left when, when Stephen Harper lost the last election and is left now in the hands of Justin Trudeau. And it's, it's, it's very funny that I think that Canadians perhaps were more willing to give the benefit of the doubt to Obama uh, that, you know, if we're going to have a, a relationship with the United States, maybe at least Obama is like a more fair guy than Stephen Harper. So maybe that's the, the check and balance uh, from our, you know, very right wing uh, government. And now that the tables have turned and it's like Justin Trudeau and, and Donald Trump, it, like who in their right mind in Canada would want that level of power to be given to American law enforcement? A except we have a prime minister who is effectively cheerleading <laughs> these policies. Yeah, quietly. And nobody thinks that it's worth investigating um, further what's going on. And that's really frustrating. One of the other things that was buried in the letter uh, was uh, cross-state um, uh, cr cross cooperation to stop uh, the opioid e epidemic, which, uh, you know, uh, there's been uh, comments made by Ralph Goodale that the opioid epidemic is being fueled in part by uh, opioids like fentanyl being sent through letter mail. And they have talked about how they want to give uh, border agents and other law enforcement officers the right to search letter mail. Because currently, anything under something like 33 grams can't be searched. I would love for someone to investigate what level of creeping uh, security state uh, outrageousness is going to be done under the guise of, well, here we have under the guise of protecting Canadians and Americans from this opioid e epidemic. Like, are they going to allow agents to start opening our letter mail under the guise of maybe there's fentanyl and all of our Christmas cards to each other? Yeah, the, you know, it's uh, it's very interesting that you raise that because part of what's wrong with this entire situation is that what journalists should have been doing is asking for further information on how these things were going to be operationalized instead of focusing on a handshake. And that point about the concern on the increase in opioid-related deaths is so vague that it's it's a really major problem. What does it mean that they're, we're going to be working together to, to solve this problem? I have a feeling it doesn't mean making sure that uh, people have access to, to what they need to deal with addiction. I have a feeling that that's not what it's about. Or, or going after the, uh, the pharmaceutical industry for having lied about the effectiveness of different opioids that got people like hooked on them. Like, you know, the effectiveness <laughs> and the and the addictiveness. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I just have a feeling that it's, you're, you're probably correct. Uh, what else is in here? There's also about uh, a, a lot of discussion about pipelines. Yes, yes. And, and specifically naming Keystone XL, which probably also, you know, is a nod to then Dakota Access. Uh, we know that Prime Minister Trudeau has uh, green-lighted uh, pipeline projects in Canada as well. And Keystone was something that was supposed to be killed through the previous United States administration. Yeah, it's kind of a, a scary thought at how quickly a lot of the the very minorly good things are being so so rapidly undone by by Trump. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the the Keystone uh, Pipeline reference is not in the same part of the letter as protecting clean air and clean water, but that is also in this letter, which uh, when you talk about operationalizing these things, I'm left with the question, <laughs> sorry, we've got a, they're going to start bringing back coal. They're undoing uh, regulations under the EPA. They're undoing protective uh, wildlife species legislation. And our government thought signing a joint letter with them to protect clean air and clean water is worth anything. <laughs> Again, uh, if, is there any media out there who's listening who wants to, I don't know, take them to task a little bit on these things? Because that would be helpful for a public who is actually discerning and watching and wanting uh, a little bit more from their leaders than uh, it's not even a good haircut. It's not. It's, it's not. just. Although it's better than it's when really he was average. in November. I don't. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. What does this mean for for activists? Uh, not just active. Like you, we've talked so many about so many things. So there's activists like you know feminists. There's activists fighting for you know to end detentions within uh, um, immigration det- detention, right? Because we hold families in jail uh, when they're awaiting hearings. And what does this mean for environmental activists who are going to be seeing these um, massive infrastructure projects approved in the United States that will make it very, very difficult to resist Canadian projects? And at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because water doesn't give a rat's ass about borders. Yeah. And the other thing that's, uh, you know, we have to think about what this does this mean about this letter is that there is a discussion in in the joint statement about... um, uh, military allyship worldwide. And so, you know, basically, uh, Justin Trudeau has gone down, met Trump, said, we're good together on all of these major things that people think that we're not good together on. And a lot of that is really going to affect Indigenous folks, Black people around the world and in, in both of our countries, and racialized people and women. Well, you, you, women who aren't white and blonde and skinny and you know, the son of Don- the daughter of Donald Trump, <laughs> the daughter, daughter of Donald Trump. I think that maybe brings us to another topic we want to discuss. Like if that's what all of these uh, things are doing to those particular people, is that not upholding a white supremacist structure? Nora? Oh, up- upholding or deeply deeply confusing and making stronger Mm. white supremacy Mm -hmm. that was a great teaser um you must have studied marketing (laughs) (laughs) no i would never do that (laughs) no no uh so that's a great teaser so that that's going to be what we talk about in episode three but i you know because we don't have uh, too much time here um it's worth talking about how the myth of progress under liberalism as peddled by the Liberal Party of Canada, especially in our political context, actually hides the fact that not only is our system uh, bad and flawed, racist, uh, that is built on a colonial structure that uh, is both colonial and post-colonial at the same time, uh, but these things are getting Mm. worse. And we have to be better at recognizing them. And, uh, you know, I'm using we very generously. Uh, because what I mean is that, you know, just the public has to be ready, has to be better at recognizing them because we can't be proud of a prime minister who says uh, 
you know, I'm, I'm going to be here for truth and reconciliation and look at my tattoos and then makes really offensive fucking comments about the, the number one thing that indigenous youth need are canoes. Places to store those canoes. Places to store their canoes. To, to go down to the United States, uh, to, to give a progressive veneer uh, to Donald Trump, I think is uh, much more dangerous than many people claimed. And uh, there was one mainstream article that kind of said uh, a very similar thing. It was written in McLean's, and I, I unfortunately forget the author. Um, but but you're right that that no one really is talking about what what this really means for all of those promises about reconciliation, all of those promises to do things better than than Stephen Harper. And you know, at some level, this is the Liberal Party of um, of many, many years. We know like <laughs> how many people have told people that voted liberal that they should have known that the electoral reform promise was going to be broken. But there's still people, I think, generally still believe that when a politician says something to their face, says it a hundred times, says it to get elected, that there is going to be some attempt to act on their promises. And all this does is is it it further disenfranchises people from the political system and it, it disenfranchises people uh, structurally like people who are who are in intentionally oppressed by the system and it also has a secondary effect for people who just are like but like politicians are liars fuck them fuck the system fuck corporations fuck everybody because life is not getting better for me and no one is standing up for me and that just creates the perfect situation for things to get worse yeah and i mean we we can also look worldwide where you know uh, trudeau has recently had a uh, a trip to the european union in which oh, yeah. he he has kind of also been using that trip to say hey hey folks uh, some of the most brave people who've been speaking out against brave politicians sorry who've been speaking out against uh, uh trump um are coming from the eu uh don't worry he ain't that bad like what is going on <laughs> who does this guy work for or what does he work for american imperialism that's what it sounds like to me well ab absolutely right especially in a situation where american imperialism needs to be maintained because otherwise there will be like a level of chaos that I think people are not people not us people like in the ruling classes are not prepared for every time someone uh, posts like wow the stock stock markets are still doing really well it's like yeah because things are still relatively stable and and Justin Trudeau needs to lend credibility to Donald Trump to maintain the dominance of the American of the American empire over the world because we are so connected to it and we need to be very very concerned about that because you know uh, under Obama and and the liberal kind of perception of of how the Democratic Party worked it's like sure we don't want to see people uh actually I was going to say die in the streets but people still die in the streets but there there's there's a, a level of we don't really want children to die because they can't eat we don't really want injustice to be so obvious in the United States but we do want to make sure that Wall Street is 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 fed we want to make sure that the army is strong and we want to make sure that that we we control global empires 
But now, and by we you mean they. By we yeah. I mean they, right? Yeah. But now there's yeah. there's Donald Trump, like probably wants all that stuff maintained, but is also completely unstable, completely uh, uh, irresponsible and reckless, and like. You know, it, we're seeing a little bit of, of that within the can, can Canadian Conservative Party leadership race where it's just like, I'm going to say whatever comes out of my mouth. It doesn't matter. I know that racism is going to uh, is going to get me reelected or get me more popular. And so I'm just going to be like outwardly attacking racialized communities. Uh, right now, it's Muslims from, uh, you know, seven countries in particular. But obviously, that has a broader impact on on anyone who is Muslim or is perceived to be Muslim. And it is it is so dangerous for the Canadian government to just placate, appease and let that all happen in the name of maintaining a a kind of stability, a kind of status quo that has never worked for 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 working people or average people around the world. Uh, But uh, we are so implicated in it with a government that is apparently fine to sit down at a business lunch of women and say this is feminism. Yeah. And, you know, as we've seen in Toronto recently, a uh, protest of a mosque, obviously in Quebec City, where you, you are, there's been uh, a massacre and there's been uh, all sorts of hate crimes that have been reported um, from uh, Montreal to uh, Peterborough of uh, of these attacks against Muslim people. And that's that's the cost. That's the cost. And uh, people uh, lose their lives, their livelihood, their sense of safety, their sense of security. And um, quite frankly, uh, we all have a responsibility where we are uh, to do something about that. And uh, the media has a heightened responsibility where they are to question that. And so I hope, um, you know, we're kind of out of time here, but I but I do hope that um, that's something that's taken up more as as. Uh, the both of these administrations continue, though I am not. I'm not confident that that's something that's going to happen. 